Welcome to the Pinion Combination Podcast. I'm KJ Pelcher alongside Dick Briggs, bringing you some wrestling discussion from the last week of college and high school competition. Uh, we're getting a little closer. Are you ready for Christmas? We're no. getting closer <laughs> at all? Uh, getting there, yeah. <laughs> we haven't even started other than uh, putting decorations up. We're uh, We're still a long ways away, so... Anybody's got any good present ideas, let me know. Or if you want to buy us presents, Dick and I are always willing to uh, accept, right? Oh, you know, little stuff for me, you know, tea, golf tees, you know, things like that. <laughs> it doesn't take big stuff to make me happy. <laughs> right. Same here. Same here. Well, speaking of gifts, we got a little bit of a gift uh, on Sunday with a pretty entertaining duel at Carver Hawkeye Arena, the resumption of the Cyhawk Series duel. And uh, if you haven't seen, uh, boy, this was uh, everything we kind of thought it would be. Uh, alternating back and forth, exciting, fun, some gamesmanship, everything you could think of. Uh, we got it Sunday at Carver Hawkeye Arena. Right. We both kind of called it. Uh... Um, I, I called five to five match wise, you know, that was definitely a possibility. It ended up being that way. And then you called bonus points being a factor and uh, both nailed it. Yep. And of course the big question coming in was who, who was going to take the mat even if, for both teams. And uh, we got a, the answer right away. Uh, Spencer Lee making his debut real woods, taking the mat, uh, for both of them for Iowa, Iowa State, uh, we didn't see Kyson Terakina at 25. We saw Corey Kabamban um, instead. And then uh, Sam uh, Schuler wrestled at uh, heavyweight against Cassiope in the finale that Cassiope won for 18-15 Iowa victory. But you got your answer right out of the gate, uh, Spencer Lee. Uh, surprised, not surprised uh, that you saw him uh, on Sunday? Uh, I might add also uh, that I'm not sure we saw the the, the number one man at, at 33 for Iowa State. Uh, we oh, saw, right. Don't drop off a lot right. there either. So with Redding out, but I don't think there's a very bit much of a gap there. So that, that didn't really show much. As far as uh, leaving in the lineup, um, you know, I don't know where his progress was, so I had no idea. Um, after seeing him on the mat, I, I'm, I'm glad they got him out on the mat. Um, I'm sure he's glad he was out there. It wasn't one of his best performances. You know, he, he was Lee-like in the first period. And then after that, he was unlike like looked, um, tired, I think, you know, to be, put it frankly. And I don't know if that was, a. I haven't been out on a mat in competition for two years. I haven't been going maybe as hard because I wasn't released in the room. I don't know if weight had an issue or maybe all of those things, but you know, it was obvious that that was not him in his top form. So it's going to be fun to see him get back up there. You know, and you know, he mentioned, uh, he, I think he talked about uh, being able to build, but you know, I know a lot of, a lot of people point to, you know, this is his first competition, you know, since, uh, you know, going down to Florida at the end of December, um, last year, but people forget that though 
I think it was only two matches down there last year. That was the first time he had wrestled since March of right. uh, 2021. So really, he only had like two matches in uh, over, you know, 18 months here. And, uh, you know, yeah, you know, that's I, I think that would, you know, I guess it. I could see that kind of being a thing where, you know, he's not, uh, but, but he still, you know, scored a takedown in the, the final period and, and won 16 to five. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, it was something that Iowa needed, you know, you talk about bonus points, one of three major de- decisions for, for Iowa. Um, the thing that I, I thought was interesting is, you know, even going to the bathroom 10 minutes before the meet, people were like, are we going to see Lee? Somebody <laughs> in the bathroom said, hey, are we going to see Lee? Do you, do you think Lee and real are wrestling? And I'm like, I, I don't know. We'll find out, I guess, in 10 minutes. But, you know, everybody was just dying to, to see those two on the mat for, for Iowa. I think they thought they needed both of them on the mat. Turns out that they did. Um, you know, but as things were kind of leading up, there were little clues, you know, since everybody was so, you know, uh, interested in it, you you start kind of paying attention to some other things. Like when they came out uh, for introductions and they showed Lee on the Jumbotron, he had his mouthpiece in. If he's not wrestling, you probably don't see him with a mouthpiece in, you know, he's just there. Um, and then when they're getting ready to to start the duel, you saw, you know, some of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and the teammates kind of huddled around the tunnel and you kind of see Pat Lugo looking down the tunnel and smiling. And that was almost like, okay, there's something up. So Lee's coming out, you know, you know, they're, they're anticipating it. And, and sure enough, it, it drew the, uh, reaction from the crowd that everybody expected a pretty loud uh, pop, um, you know. So uh, that really kind of kick-started things off. But, you know, this duel all the way through, just kind of a back-and-forth back and thing, a lot of close matches, um, you know, outside of those. Well, I guess, you know, uh, car – Obviously, the, the major decisions weren't really close. Carr over Kennedy, you know, yeah, it was a decision, but that was pretty much all Carr. Uh, Cassiope at the end, you know, that was a decision, but that was pretty much all Cassiope. Um, but the rest that you look at it, you know, uh, Ramazan um, wrestling at 33, I've heard that Redding kind of has some is having some weight issues. That's what's kind of preventing him from from being in at thirty three. That's coming from uh, uh, Cyclone, somebody that knows the Cyclone program pretty well. Um, you know, but Ramazan, nice job getting a takedown late, uh, and then Panero Johnson. I tell you what, really impressed with him. Um, got a takedown in overtime. Uh, he's, he is a heck of a tough freshman, 
Yeah. Un undefeated and has already in his seven or eight matches this season knocked off. Is it three now? Highly ranked wrestlers? Um, top 10? Some, anyway, it's just I mean, he was two in the top six for, for sure. Yeah. And uh, anyway, yeah. And that was my guy that I was really anxious to see Russell. And he didn't disappoint. And, uh, um, and just because, uh, you know, he had a high caliber opponent in, in Murin. And, and so we knew that was going to be a great match. And, uh, and it didn't disappoint. And, and uh, you know, so, you, you know, it was back and forth every, every match up until 84, 97 when I would, I would say one, they were the first to win back to back matches. Right. Um, um, you know, so and, and you know, going back to to uh, to uh, one twenty five, Kamamam did a nice job. You know, he he stood in there and battled with Lee, and and uh, you know, and he he kind of put a little question mark into the into everyone sitting in the arena and watching at home, going, "Oh, well, this isn't the league where we're used to seeing necessarily." Yeah. So good for him for doing that and not you know not laying down and. And you know, taking it or anything. So, you know, and Iowa State came ready to battle. That was fun. That's what made it a fun meet. Yep. And speaking of battles, uh, you gotta look at 141, which almost turned into an actual battle after the match. Um, Real Woods uh using a, a penalty point for stalling, uh riding time point and a couple of escapes um to beat. Another freshman, Casey Swiderski, uh, four to two. Right, and if I if I remember right, Swiderski's a four-time state champ out of Michigan. Is that right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, so didn't know a whole lot about him. I hadn't seen him, so that was an interesting uh, debut of him to me, and, and I think to the rest of the to the people in the stands, or many of them anyway. And uh, you know, he wasn't going to take you know second seat to the to the uh, um, to this uh, fifth year senior, you know, it's, who was also wrestling his debut in, in Carver. So that was an interesting meet or match. I'm not, I'm not really tickled about what happened at the end, but from an, from a entertainment standpoint, it's, it's pretty cool. But, but from the, uh, you know, the keep, keep a classy point of view, I, I didn't, I don't like that stuff. So. Mm -hmm. uh, 157. Um, you know, I've, I've said this multiple times. I said it on the radio yesterday as well. You know, sometimes it's hard not, you've got to balance being professional. You've got to, um, you know, act accordingly, but also you got to remember, I've been around wrestling since I was six years old, um, in a lot of different, uh, fashions, uh, following my brother around. Uh, wrestling myself, being a fan, um, being somebody that covers. I've seen a lot of this stuff. I still get excited. Um, I'm telling you, that was the first time when Kobe Seabrack uh, threw Jason Kreiser. That was one of the more excitable single moves I think I've seen you know, they're locked up right in the center of the mat. And, you know, Seabrecht uh, went for it. Uh, guys were parallel to the mat at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, turned out to be a big six-point move for 
for Seabrook, but that was that was probably that throw was probably one of the more exciting uh, moments that actually got a reaction out of me where I just audibly went wow yeah. on yeah. press row, which I usually don't do. Well, and, and uh, you know when you're locked up like that and they're standing straight up, so there's you know, something's going to happen. Something's got to give. Could have went the other way as well. Seabrook um, okay. obviously gained position on that, and then he threw it. And, uh, uh, you know, I was watching on television, Jim Gibbons described it as kicking a 50 yard field goal. I, I describe it as doing a, as a, doing a, um, a helicopter is that what they call them? A soccer kick, the a bicycle kick, a bicycle, bicycle kick in soccer. Yeah. That yeah. I mean, he was going for it. And, uh, so it was that bicycle kick in soccer and, and, uh, man, that was fun. Now as a high school coach and a high school re referee right now, you know, it was in college. It was absolutely a good no call for a slam or anything like that. It wasn't. A, but in high school, I, I think I'm calling that a slam all day long because yeah. just it's, it's kind of the same rule written or I think it is. anyway. I'm not exactly sure of the, high, the college rule, but in in high school, it's just called differently. It's just man, I, I never see it called in, in college a slam mm -hmm. and in high school. That would not fly. So my reason for bringing that up is you see trends. You see, like when Lincoln McElroy came out and did the boot scoot. So now everyone's doing the boot scoot. So in John Smith with the low singles and, yep. and uh, um, um, Stephen Neal with the blast double and, you know, just all those trends. And now I don't want, I don't want high school kids to go out and start doing that bicycle kick because you know, <laughs> yeah. they can be called against them. Um, you know, and obviously that gave Seabrook a, a 6 0 lead. That was one of those weights where I think we were kind of, that was leaning towards Seabrook, but also could be considered a, a toss-up. The one thing that I thought was interesting is getting overlooked maybe a little bit with that throw is the way that he secured a takedown and a right out late in the third to secure uh, the major decision. Now, Iowa ended up with two others, you know, majors from Lee and Brands, but Little things like that can, that can make a difference in a close duel, and I just thought it was pretty impressive by uh, Seabrook to close things out the way he did for a major. Right, and even big picture, you, uh, small picture that meet big picture the rest of the season. Seabrook's a, a he's a snowball at the top of the mountain rolling downhill. He's just gaining. He's getting bigger and bigger and gaining more confidence, and and you can see it in that match. And uh, you know when you get that six point lead like that, that uh, that's that, that's nice. I mean, you, now you can feel more comfortable and relax and go after it and even maybe be a little more aggressive or less or whatever. And uh, so he's a snowball rolling downhill. It's, it's fun to watch that build. Yeah. And I know he's got the pin over, uh, you know, he was coming off the pin against Penn, uh, top 10 opponent there, but not necessarily the toughest schedule at 157 for him compared to what he's going to see when the Big Ten rolls around. But you start gaining confidence and momentum now, that's only going to help him in January once things kind of get tougher. Exactly. And we saw that last year a little bit with some of the guys in the Iowa lineup. They Early on, they just had hammers, it seemed like. But mm -hmm. I think Young last year just had a whole bunch of back-to-back-to-back, -back -to -back, and then right. some of the guys didn't have it. It's just the way it works, you know, at different weights. So that point taken, yeah. Um. You know, we talked about Carr, you know, 
Carr came away with a 10-4 win over Patrick Kennedy, who's a quality opponent, obviously. Uh, Kevin Dresser, I think tongue-in-cheek in the press conference said, you know, we told David we got to get bonus points out of there, uh, even though I'm sure there is probably a little bit of uh, truth to they were expecting bonus points. Um, you can see that. But, I mean, Carr is just so fluid. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, every every time every time you see David Carr take the mat, it's hard not to just continually be impressed uh, with him. Right, he's got that shot that goes. It's a straight on shot, but he turns the corner so fast it becomes almost like a sweep single. So this opponent, when he's he's looking to, to defend straight on, Carr's already around the corner and, and has the far ankle or is picking it up or what. He's so quick and so smooth, like you're saying. So. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, it still remains to be seen. Uh, you know that he's up a weight, and that's that's a tough weight class. So, I mean, they're all tough, but uh, I, it's. I hope he can maintain that weight and and uh, and win it. You know, so we'll see there. Yeah, when you're talking about turning the corner, that was one of the things where. Oh, I'm not sure if it was his third takedown or. or or fourth or but he had a setup to where it was tap tap shoot and like you said wasn't necessarily a sweep single but you know he shot and was around the corner so fast you know there wasn't much to do and you know it was tap tap shoot turn finish takedown and it took me longer to actually tap or type those things than it did took him to actually execute it. Right. Um, so, yeah, you know, if you wanted a, a tape for a young wrestler or a young person to see, that's, you know, with the continuous wrestling, because you see a lot of wrestlers, particularly beginning and even intermediate high school wrestlers, when they when they shoot, they stop straight <clears> on <throat> and they, they're expect, anticipating that sprawl on that defense. And that's why, you know, turning that corner is, I mean, there's the guy you want to watch and, and learn some technique from. Yep. Um, you know, Nelson Brands looked uh, uh, much stronger, um, you know, at 174, 184, uh, Marcus Coleman. Uh, you know, he's he's really picked up where he left off last year, I think. You know, last year was his real breakout year and, you know, just kind of hit another level, um, you know, especially late. I think you're just seeing that carrying over now. And he had a nice, uh, nice win against Assad, uh, scoring a takedown uh, late to, to win that one. Right. And you're exactly right. I see that as well. You know, and maybe he's got, he's got to be a bit senior by now, doesn't he? he means he's been <laughs> forever, it seems like. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so maybe he's got that old senioritis where he's, you know, this is my last chance. I'm, I don't have anything to lose. I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the guy that's been here. So, get out of my way sort of an attitude, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so agree, agreed, you know, Assad didn't wrestle bad or anything. Marcus, Marcus just did a nice job. And, you know, 197, uh, the rematch, I think a lot of people were kind of pointing to in this one, uh, younger Bastida, um, two first period takedowns, um, and then, uh, held on for a four, three win over, uh, Jacob Warner. Um, I mean, I, the one thing 
you know that uh, I, no secret, Bastida's athletic, really good on his feet. He's got really good offense. The thing that impressed me the most, you know, once Warner started shooting and got in, I think about two or three times, Bastida's defense and his ability to fend off those shots where you thought Warner's going to finish here or, you know, this is going to be hard to, to prevent giving up points. And he did, you know. I thought that was on the defense from Bastida. Maybe it was Warner's inability to finish. Um, what did you think? Uh, it could be a little bit of both. <laughs> um, yeah, the thing that in that match that uh, that I I noticed that could have been a turning point was was um, Bastida's very active on his feet, particularly early on in the match, and and mm-hmm. uh, and then in the third period. When they, when he, there was a, a headgear pull and they threw the brick out, I almost th- thought it would have been better to set the brick down and let things go because I thought Bastida was on the ropes in, a little bit. And it was a two point difference at that time. And I think they were neutral. Yeah, they were neutral. And then, you know, so yeah, they got the point with the brick toss. But more importantly, I think Bastida had about a minute, minute and a half to, to, re- to recover and was able to finish that match. You know, so, you know, that's one of those where you go, man, I don't know if it was worth that point to throw the brick out. And, and, and you know, that same thing sort of thing happened at the 141 pound when there was a blood timeout. I thought it helped Woods, the blood timeout. So those kind of timeouts, and that one you can't stop. I mean, blood's, you can't fake bleeding, right? And, you know, on this one, it, and, uh, you know, so you don't know, looking back, you know, you kind of make that judgment whether it would be better to sit on that brick, but, but, uh, um, that was one thing I noticed that, Nance. Then, you know, Cassiope finished things out, um, you know, in control uh, the whole match, except for maybe a, a small stretch where um, he gave up a takedown almost uh, uh, gave up a cradle. Uh, you know, could have been a lot more than just uh, two points, but um, was able to break uh, the grip and then ended up uh, adding a takedown of his own. Um, right, that was late period. But, yeah. You know, um, but that was uh, uh, just the fact that they have somebody like that to close out. Um, he really comes through for him. Right. And that always that there hasn't always been, I mean, there has been lately, but, but there's been years when Iowa that's hasn't been one of their stronger weights. And, and uh, you know, so you're right. It's, it's nice to see that they've got that, that anchor and uh, you know, uh, I guess bookends, whatever, very, very strong at 25, very strong at 285 and pretty darn good in between. <laughs> so um, not bad. Uh, you, know, you see a lot of, you know, the love hate in this, in this duel, a lot of jawing back and forth and, kisses and thumbs up and thumbs down and pointing and everything else. It, it, it makes, it makes it fun for the crowd and all that. And, and uh, you know, it, it's going to be fun for in the future. Yeah. You know, and that was the thing. I, I, I know you kind of mentioned, um, you know, after 41, I didn't necessarily uh, like some of that, um, you know, and I'm not big on the, the, 
gestures and stuff afterwards. For some reason, maybe it was because I was on, you know, I was battling cold. Maybe I was on uh, meds and, uh, you know, a little flighty uh, Sunday afternoon. I, I thought some of it was was fun and really kind of added to, you know, there there is a moment, you know, like Nelson Brands kind of pointing to the Iowa State bench and went like this and then turned to the Iowa bench and went like that. I mean, that, you know, I thought that was kind of harmless. Um, you know, there was a, during the Warner-Bastida match when the brick was thrown out, um, I think Dresser approached the Brett, the the table and Terry Brands, I think, took exception and then pointed at Dresser and pointed, you know, Dresser looked at him and then pointed back and Derek St. John was laughing about it, you know, and uh, from the corner. And I, I don't know. I just seemed like it just kind of added to it. It was almost uh, uh, more of a show, even though it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like last year with the little dust up afterwards that I thought was uh, unnecessary, but. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth uh, with that, but I just thought it was an entertaining duel. And, you know, some of the shenanigans that revolved around, you know, I kind of laughed about it, even though, um, you know, normally not a big, huge fan of that stuff. Yeah. I, I didn't see the, uh, the coaches pointing back and forth in, in that match. I'm, I'm not sure why. It was just real brief, just real yeah. brief. I'm not sure if the dresser would have come to the table uh, when they threw out, threw out the brick. Maybe it's just inquiring what they're throwing at yeah. or something. And I think that's why, you know, I think they're, I think that's probably what Terry was saying was like, you shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be there. Get back to your corner. And then, you know, but, you know, that was, uh, yeah, that was a fun duel. And um, Iowa, was it, uh, 18 straight duels now, um, you know, 17-0 uh, under Tom Brands as a head coach. I think Andy Hamilton had an interesting uh, a stat. I can't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but uh, the Brands, Brands brothers as athletes, assistants, uh, Tom as a head coach, um, they're they've only lost one time. That was when Tom was an assistant, you know, back in like '03 or something like that. Um, that's the only time they've lost to Iowa State in a in a duel, which is pretty remarkable, um, given some of those Iowa State teams that they've uh, come across. So, yeah, and they they've owned they pretty much have owned Iowa State, but Iowa State's coming. <laughs> and I tell you what, uh, next year might be a different story, to be honest with you. Um, for both teams, uh, Iowa heads to UT uh, Chattanooga on Saturday. Interestingly, interestingly there, uh, Spencer Lee not in the probable lineups released earlier today. Uh, Aiden Harris and Charles Matthews are. Uh, Colin Schriever and Jesse Ibarra at 133. Real Woods is listed with Drew Bennett at 41. 
And then you've got uh, what's really stabilized, I think, in the back half of the lineup, where you've got uh, Mirren at 49, Seabrecht, Kennedy, Nelson Brands, Assad, Warner, Cassiope, uh, and the probable lineup there. So I think Iowa's getting closer uh, to having their uh, best lineup on the mat. Um, and I think we'll see a little more of that against UTC Chattanooga, who's two and five um, right now. Uh, and then Iowa State is actually off until uh, December 19th when they go to the collegiate duels in uh, New Orleans and they'll face uh, Oregon State and Cornell there on the, the 19th and the first day of that two-day tournament. So a little little uh, uh, training training phase and, and some time away from competition for the Cyclones. Yeah, I mean, and that, you know, I know they're not happy of, with not winning, but, you know, they've got some nice things to, be, you know, to hang your hat on and to work, you know, to go forward with. And, and it's not like they came in and, and got blown out, like maybe in the past has happened. And uh, you know, so, it, you know, they're sitting in a good spot right now. Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, you and I was in a good spot this weekend at, uh, you know, the Cliff Keen uh, Invitational in Las Vegas. Uh, they uh, they finished fifth and, you know, in a pretty good field out there. They had two uh, finalists and Kale Happel at 141 and Parker Keckheisen um, at 184. But I, you know, Kyle Biscaglia had a nice uh, uh, run. Real Buto and uh, yeah, placed as well, I believe. But uh, what do you think about uh, the way the Panthers wrestled out in, in Vegas? I thought it was uh, a good showing. Right. They they uh, they uh, finished ahead of Arizona State, Cornell, Ohio State, uh, Oregon State, to name a few, and uh, they they. Russell really well. And in, in, in particular, you said Biscaglia, he, he went lost in the second round and then came back and won five straight to finish third. So he did a nice job. And in the first three Russell uh, matches on the Russell, uh, the consolation side, he didn't allow a point. Um, so good, good show by <coughs> him. Um, and then uh, Tyrell Gordon also throw him in there and he beat AJ Nevels from, from uh, Nebraska. I, I believe in his, in his last match. That's uh, right. Fifth. So, um, and, and the guy that I was most anxious to see Russell this year, Kale Happel, uh -huh. I'm anxious to see a couple of Panthers, but I, I just, for some reason, I thought Happel's, he's going to burst out this year. And I'm, it's easy to say now, but I, I honestly thought that earlier after watching last year and, and, and just knowing the Happel family and, and getting a chance to be a regular out on that, on that mat and, and, uh, -huh. uh disappointing finished second and, and, uh, he lost to a tough, Kid from Nebraska, but Nebraska did a nice job. They won it. They had a pretty, pretty good, decent tournament as well. So they're they're a tough, tough team. But uh, but Panthers did did well. I thought they had a great, a great tournament. Yeah, you know, uh, Happel came in as the eleventh seed. Um, I want to say knocked off uh, two, knocked off a three seed from Virginia Tech. Uh, the two seed Carlson, uh, I believe, from. South Dakota State, that's actually his second win over Carlson, beat him in the Dactronics Open um, as well. I mean, it, it's just 
uh, just seems like things are coming together. You know, he had flashes of that uh, last year, um, you know, and, and just ended up being an alternate. A lot of times you might have those moments where, um, you know, things just kind of kind of sink in or, or maybe just kind of missing out on, on something um, kind of helps flip the switch. And I tell you what, um, it's I, I something's clicking for uh, Kale Happel right now, and it'll be real fun to see how uh, how that kind of carries forward. I know you and I's got you and I open this weekend. We'll see who all competes in that, and then they're also down in New Orleans uh, for the collegiate duels there as well. Right, they get a. Um... Are the collegiate duels prior to Christmas or after Christmas? They're prior to Christmas. Aren't they? Prior to Christmas. It'll be December 19th and 20th okay. uh, down there. Uh, remember, they have kind of like the two pools, and then uh, I think then you, you kind of cross over there on the next day. I don't think they do cross over. I think they oh, so you just stay on the same side. So, so in other words, yeah. Iowa's not going to wrestle, I think, because Iowa State there. As well, or I, I was state and you and I are there. I was not there, right? And they won't wrestle each other because they're on, the, on opposite sides, if I remember right. So they, they save that duel for back home and and uh, that sort of thing. But a couple other notes on the on the Cliff King Vegas Invitational. Uh, Tanner Sloan uh, did a real nice job. He finished third. I know that he's not excited. He was seated at number one and got beat got beat uh, early, in an earlier round, but then came back and. You know, on his, on his uh, consolation side, beat the number eight, number six, and number four ranked kids in the nation. So um, he did a nice job there. And then then the other one that was a big upset was Labriola uh, beating number one, uh, Makai Lewis. So uh, so big upset there. That was, that's pretty neat. Anyway, a couple of notes on that tournament. Yeah, speaking of uh, Labriola, you're, or who you mentioned had been around for a long time. Um Labriola it seems like he's been there since uh, Tim Brewster was coach. Yeah, <laughs> COVID we've got a lot of that, don't we? Yep. Um, uh, one other thing I want to mention: this is something that I saw uh, on social media. That I, the this is something I think is really cool. Um, you know, you always talk about the Dan Gable tree, right? And the coaches that ended up you know, branching off and, and leading programs of their own. Um, you know, you, you really can measure the impact of a coach by maybe the coaches that uh, kind of emanate from, from their programs. Uh, Allison Schwab posted uh, uh, four pictures uh, from the, the Cliff Keen uh, tournament out in Vegas and it's dug with former Panther wrestlers that were actually in the tournament um, as assistant coaches. One was Joe Cologne at Northwestern. Um, he's an assistant there. Of course, he's been an assistant at Fresno state when, when they were running the program and, um, and everything. Uh, Cody Caldwell, who's been uh, a fantastic uh, uh, coach and, Kind of a right-hand man for Damian Hahn there, um, and Chris Bono before that at South Dakota State. Um, Ethan Lofthouse, who uh, Doug coached uh, when they're when they're in Iowa City together, 
and uh, Ethan's at uh, Utah Valley. And then Blaze uh, Cabell, um, who's an assistant at Navy uh, now. And uh, seeing those guys posing together for pictures, and you're starting to see a little bit of a, of a tree uh, emanating from, uh, just kind of sprouting up from Doug Schwab, with Doug Schwab roots um, a little bit, which is cool. Yeah, I did not see that picture, but uh, that's neat to hear. And it's great to have those, th those uh, athletes still in the sport. Yeah. And let, let's face it, uh, you know, I think there was one time where Joe Colon might have been suspended or something while he was a wrestler at UNI or didn't finish a season. Uh, I think there was so, some stuff with, uh, you know, you know, Blaze too, some growing pains there. And now to see them go on and become assistant coaches and now they're helping uh, other wrestlers grow and, and get the best out of them. That's, that's really neat to see the impact that Schwab has made with them. And now it's carrying over to how they're affecting and developing other people, which is pretty, pretty sweet. Very cool. Uh, any other uh, uh, tidbits from, uh, from the weekend that we haven't touched on that? Uh... I, I would mention this at, at the division three level co went up to uh, lacrosse where there was a triangular between uh, lacrosse who's ranked number three and uh, North central who's ranked number four and co who's ranked number eight. And uh, so there was a really nice triangular there with high ranked teams. And, and there was plenty of ranked wrestlers and wrestlers upsetting other wrestlers. And so it, it was a good weekend. Um, co struggled a bit with both those teams in terms of the meet score and, and lost both, but uh, Tristan Westfall 184 went two and zero on the, on the weekend. And, and uh, uh, so that was a tough one uh, uh, for Co. tough weekend, but good competition and that, you know, they're going to find out where they're at and get back to work, I guess. So um, there was a number one versus number a couple of former champs, Robbie Preeson, NCAA champ from North central wrestled against Alex Friddle, the NWCA champ two years ago. Uh, down weight, but and uh, it was a four to one match that Preeson won. But uh, you know, Frittle's right in that, so kind of a good measuring stone. Oh, Esmoil lost to two of tough Cervantes, so I think that's his first loss of the year in a close one, nine to seven. But uh, so um, then also, Loris wrestled Augsburg. Augsburg, of course, you know, is all uh, perennially tough and ranked number two right now. They <coughs> uh, uh, legal. Shane Legaler, their national champ two years ago, remains undefeated. And he's he's beaten number. He's started out ranked third. Remember, I said there were three national champs at 184. Right. He beat the number defending champ. So now he's ranked number one and bumped the other two down. So that way it's maybe a revolving thing this, this season. Um, Cornell uh, wrestled in the Invitational. Had a couple of medalists there. Gabe Smith at 57 was second. And Evan Husco was fourth. And... Uh, They'll wrestle Loris next uh, this week, I think. Thursday, I think, this week. So, anyway, um, that's kind of the update on Division Three. Uh, Upper Iowa didn't wrestle. They've got quite a bit of a time off. I think they last wrestled before Thanksgiving and then wrestled like the 19th or something of December. So, they've got a little bit of a break there. I also mentioned this weekend uh, uh, the World Cup will be competed in uh, Iowa City. I mentioned that. Uh, just because 
Uh, we have a former uh, Iowa prep that'll be representing uh, Team USA and Felicity Taylor, uh, who wrestled at uh, South Winnesheek, uh, now part of the uh, Iowa women's wrestling program that'll begin officially competing next season. Um, they're doing some stuff uh, kind of unattached at the moment, um, not representing Iowa uh, officially yet until next year, but Felicity Taylor will be part of the uh, uh, the women's team competing in the, the World Cup that actually is going to be uh, uh, men and women run simultaneously at the same time, which uh, is the first time that's ever happened uh, with freestyle. So Right, and I'm mad. I'm mad because it's during Russell season and I'm officiating. <laughs> and I went to the last World Cup and it was fun. It was so exciting. And I'm mad I don't get to see it this this time around. So yeah. you don't get to see that every year. No. And when I when I got to uh, go out to Vegas for the 2015 World Championships, it opened up my eyes because it's one thing to see them on TV or to see on a live stream. It's another thing to see them in person. And the athletes that are wrestling internationally at the senior level are fantastic athletes and they're so fun to watch in person. So if you get a chance, uh, you know, get down there Saturday, Sunday, J.R. Ogden will be covering um, some stuff and writing a story from Saturday's competition. I'll head down there Sunday uh, for the final day as well. And I'll be at the Extreme Arena in Coralville. So uh, good luck to Felicity Taylor. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, hopefully she uh, uh, has a good showing, should have uh, a lot of support uh, from uh, friends and fans and family and uh, uh, Eastern Iowa making the trip down there. At least that's what she expects. So uh, that'll be fun to keep an eye on uh, this weekend as well. Yeah. Wish I could be there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, any, any last uh, uh, final thoughts or, or comments about uh, this last week or things coming up? Uh, nothing comes to mind. Good luck to the, the competitors, you know, uh, Thursday, tomorrow, and then also uh, Saturday, and and uh, that's it, I guess. So we move on. We're now with uh, another week uh, behind us and a lot of wrestling action ahead of us here uh, this coming up week. So uh, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and another week uh, to listen to Coach Briggs and I talk about wrestling at the college and high school levels. And as always, we'll send out with uh, uh, our wrestling plea. Let's keep wrestling on the move. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.